Welcome back to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Matt Kennedy, who works primarily as a unit photographer on major motion pictures. Matt has worked on films such as Marvel's Black Panther, Transformers, The Conjuring 2, Paul Blart Mall Cop 2, and Vice, to name a few. As a unit photographer, Matt works to document the entire production of each film, as well as creating images that are used for movie posters, as well as other marketing materials. Matt is the first unit photographer I've interviewed, so I was excited to hear about his journey in this business and everything that he's uh, worked on. So I hope you enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right, well, uh, Matt Kennedy, welcome to the podcast, man. Um, Really excited to talk to you. Um, you do a really interesting type of photography, uh, unit photography. I'm sure you do a lot more than that. So I've been excited to talk to you. Um, but I guess to start off, I guess, like, how's the last few months been with you with everything going on? Obviously, probably not uh, anything. You know what? It's, it's been crazy, man. There's no production. Pretty much Hollywood hit the brakes. Yeah. Uh, you know, like a lot of industries, just within a matter of days, it totally shut down. Hmm. Um which was a shock, but you know, the, the, uh, reassuring part of it is for once in my career, I'm in the same boat as everybody else. (laughs) So, you know, uh, but yeah, it's been nuts, you know, it's been really interesting for sure. And what were you working on before, before everything stopped? Did you get the finish or this kind of got halted in the middle pretty much? Yeah, no, I was doing a feature, uh, feature film for Netflix and we shut down like maybe two weeks before the breaks hit. So Mm -hmm. we were done. Um, but I was supposed to go do a picture in Cleveland in April. And so that totally yeah. went away. <laughs> and, <laughs> so. uh, how, what's the word on the street these days? Um, I know some businesses are starting to open up a little bit, but um, what have you been kind of hearing in terms of production? Anything kind of the wheel is starting to turn at all or not really yet? N- not really yet. I mean, there's been a couple rumors, I think, uh, like, Places like New Zealand, you know, are starting to kick back. Places that actually handled the thing pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where, uh, But around Hollywood and the rest of the United States, nothing. I mean, there's little whispers. Um, I know a lot of people are putting out, you know, memos of <clears throat> how they feel we can come back to work safely, you know, be in a safe environment on set. Because when you think about it, a, a film set is a very intimate setting. You know, yeah. you're talking about, you know, 50 people crammed into tiny spaces sometimes mm-hmm. you know and then your, your talent on camera you know they can't wear masks so there's a there's a lot of things that need to be worked out and I, I think the the bottom line is until insurance companies sign off on a film set yeah what's gonna well that's what we're gonna wait on you know yeah. I mean everybody can have a plan in place um, but until your your talent is a hundred percent comfortable being back on set and you know productions can get uh, either waive the insurance or find ways around it. I think that's the bigger issue, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Cause like some of these movies you work on, like I know um, you worked on black Panther, the Marvel film on a movie yeah. set like that. Like how many, there's hundreds of people involved on a set like that, I would imagine. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, easily 200 people on set. So, wow. you know, in one capacity or another, I mean, not necessarily all, you know, in the same space, but there's a lot of people, a lot of wheels, a lot of parts to make it go for sure. 
Yeah. And I was kind of curious, like I've been reading a lot about like uh, we've already seen it happening with the quarantine. Uh, Some of these studios are releasing their movies straight to like Apple TV or iTunes or what have you. Uh, I was reading a whole article about AMC theaters, which is like the biggest theater franchise in the country. They're like on the verge of going bankrupt. Um, What what do people like in the film industry think about uh, like movies going straight to um, like on-demand uh, digital platforms? Is it like something you guys think about? Do you think it's like a bad thing for the industry or what's your kind of take? I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of talk. I think people are looking at it a lot more serious now uh, than they had in the past. Mm-hmm. I, I still like going to the theater. There's still movies that I want to see on a big screen and have that experience. Um, but certainly I think this whole pandemic is going to change how we see movies, you know, and I mean, Netflix with the streaming and Disney plus, they're already kind of, you know, stepping up their game, yeah. you know, prior, prior to this thing happening. Um, so yeah, it'll be, I think, I don't know, man, I don't want to say movie theaters are going to go away, but I think it's going to change. I think you might see more boutique theaters yeah. and, you know, I mean, I've even heard of maybe Amazon like stepping in and buying AMC and some of these places, which I, I would hate to see happen. Yep. But I think it's going to change for sure. I mean, you look at, I talk to people that work in offices, you know, they're talking about half their staff is going to work from home forever now. You know, there's so many things that are changing. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm same with you. I, I before, for this, I, I bought the Regal like unlimited pass. It's like, yeah. it's, I pay like 23 bucks a month. You can go see as many movies as you want. And I'd, I'd see like basically everything. Um, but it is interesting to see. Cause I saw like uh uh, Tom Hanks big movie coming out here in a couple of weeks they're releasing that straight to digital and it was just like I, I'm still gonna buy it because I know like Tom Hanks puts out a good a movie it's gonna be good so I'm still gonna pay for it so it's just sure. be interesting to see what happens but yeah, it's a whole new world I guess yeah and I think you know there's certain movies that maybe we're gonna go theatrical that they're gonna just push straight to streaming or on demand that will probably make more money than they would have in the theater you mm-hmm. know uh, just because people are locked down and, you know, they want content. They want to watch stuff right now. So, yeah, yeah no doubt. Um, and I guess to go back, I was kind of curious, like where you grew up and how do you kind of get into photography initially? Uh, well, I started off, I was born in Long Beach, California, you know, Southern California. Uh, I was here until I was about five. And then my mom married my stepdad and he was in the military. Mm. So we traveled a little bit, but I always came back to Cali. I mean, I, uh, whether it was the summers and by the time I hit my teens, I would come back and just stay with family. I was just a California kid. I couldn't not be here, you know? Um, As far as photography, my mom was always a hobby photographer. You know, she had, she always had a camera around and uh, we talked about it a little bit, but skateboarding. I picked up my first camera probably in middle school and just started shooting all my buddies and, uh, skateboarding was my thing skateboarding saved my life that was like my artistic uh, freedom and then I think at some point you reach a phase where you realize you're not going to be a pro skater yeah (laughs) you know so what's the next best thing is to photograph it you know document it yeah and uh, that's kind of where my love for photography started so that's amazing did did you have like the dreams i know i'm the same way like i i I got into photography from skateboarding and like i had a couple things published here and there like in thrasher and like um some other stuff uh but was like did you ever have the dreams of being like a pro skate photographer at all or anything like that? totally yeah i think once i realized that that was an actual job uh i was kind of setting my sights on that uh so when i was about right when i turned 20 my mom actually passed away Mm -hmm. and i just kind of 
came off the rails a little bit. I was, I was, I wanted to go to uh, art center design in Pasadena. I wanted to study photography and I wanted to go to art school and I just, you know, grieving is a strange thing. And at that young of an age, I just didn't know how to do it properly. Yep. And I just kind of got lost, man. I, I followed a girl around the States for a little while and picked up whatever jobs I could get. Yep. And uh, I kind of put a camera down for a little while. And then I think I just reached a point, you know, a couple years later, I was like, I have to get back to California. I got to do something. Yep. And uh, I think with the, a little bit of the right intentions and a little bit of luck, I, my love for photography was reignited. I, I came back to California. I found out that one of my mom's second cousins was a cameraman in television. So I went and hung out with him on set one night. Uh, at the same time though, I was working a job at FedEx. So okay. I was del delivering packages, right? And so then I, uh, I went and hung out with my cousin. And after a night of watching them, you know, shoot a four camera TV show, I was like, dude, you get paid to do this? Like this, this is amazing. And from then on, it just kind of reignited my love for cameras. Um, he taught me how to load film. So this was 35 millimeter motion picture film. You know, on my weekends, I would, I would go to dark rooms. I'd go to rental houses. I would learn how to, to load the magazines, how the cameras worked. And then as luck would have it, I was still working at FedEx and I was delivering a package to this house in Long Beach every week. And one day, you know, this woman answered the door and she's like, oh, you've been coming here a lot. Do you want to come in and see what we're doing? And I was like, yeah, I guess. So, you know, I, I, didn't know what, I didn't know what was going on. And I go in the house and it's an actual art studio. And on every wall, there's storyboards and the guy and his father were storyboard artists and a visual effects supervisor. And they were working on this Kevin Costner movie called, uh, Oh my God, I'm just totally the postman. Okay. This like post-apocalyptic movie. And I just started talking to him and hanging out and, you know, we would kind of shoot the shit and he knew I was into cameras. And then he would call me on the weekends. Hey, I need to go shoot like a rain plate for this visual effects sequence. Do you want to come and help me with the camera? And so I did. And then we just became really good friends. And then he was calling me more and more to where I was calling in sick at FedEx. Yeah, yeah. And then finally I was like, you know what? I'm out. I quit. Like people were shocked that I would quit a good job. You know, it was a stable job. But I was still, you know, in my 20s. Mm -hmm. So, and I jumped in with both feet as being a camera assistant, got into the union and kind of the rest is history as far as my film career. So when you say like camera assistant, because I know the stuff you're doing now, it's like unit photography, you're shooting some of the posters, um, like, because I was looking, actually looking at your IMBD, it has all your credits and stuff. And I saw that it was like camera assistant, um, like it yeah. says like camera A, camera B, um, maybe you could right. like describe like what that job entails, I guess. Yeah, so on every film camera, there's usually two or three people that run it. There's a camera operator. He's the one looking through the eyepiece. You know, he does the composition, he frames the camera, he operates the camera. You have a first assistant, which is a focus puller. Mm -hmm. So they're the ones that keep it sharp. You know, they keep the image in focus. If they don't focus by themselves, you know, that's very mathematical. You know, you have to measure distances to actors, things like that correlates onto the lens. And then you have a second assistant who basically does everything else around the camera. You know, they change lenses, you know, make sure that everything's in operating order. When I started, the second assistant was also the film loader. 
So you would help out on set, whatever the camera department needed. And then when there's time to reload the film, you would take the magazines to the dark room, change them, bring them back. So that's kind of a simplistic way of breaking down as far as the assistance. And now that it's digital, the jobs are still relatively the same, but it's much more involved because of the electronics and the cameras you know i mean these are mini computers yeah true it's like cords and all the different models oh dude it's yeah it's ridiculous it's the amount of cables and uh things that are involved with these cameras they got bigger and more complicated than the film cameras for sure that's pretty amazing to hear you kind of this basically kind of taught yourself and kind of learned on the job pretty much and it's kind of built your skill set um pretty much as you went <clears throat> yeah absolutely i mean it was a great learning environment and when I started on film sets, the camera department kind of saw themselves as the coolest, most elite, you know, group on the set. You know, oh, you can't make a movie without a camera crew, you know, <laughs> which is true, but it's a very collaborative <laughs> effort, you know. Yeah. Um, but the thing that it taught me was, you know, the guys that trained me were like camera guys from the 70s and the 80s. And so it was very, you know, tight, regimented. You know, there's no talking on set. You know, you have to head on a swivel, got to pay attention to everything that's happening. And so it was a good environment to learn about what everybody was doing, because that is very much probably the most one of the most important things as a unit photographer is, you know, when you're on set, paying attention, not being in the way. I mean, there's a there's a lot there's a lot to it, but it was a, it was a great place to learn that. And I got to befriend the unit photographers that were on the movies that I was working with, so. That's interesting. And um, did it kind of take you a while to kind of learn like the ins and out of like a set? Like like you said, um, like I've worked a little bit, like when I was starting out as like a PA and different little jobs here and there. And it's like the way that motion uh, uh, film sets work versus like, uh, this is like a still photographer that's shooting editorial or like advertising campaigns. I noticed it's so much different. It's like, like you said, you got the camera department, then you got electrical and it's like, uh, if you if you step on someone's toes a little bit like if you unplug a laptop and you're not on the electrical team dudes will get pissed it's like oh totally yeah <laughs> did it take you kind of a while to kind of learn the ins and outs of like finding your lane i guess yeah yeah i think so because when i first started you know i was doing you know freebies or student films or non-union movies and that's kind of like you got you know five dudes it's like everybody pitch in and, yeah. and you know and do something and that's just kind of learning equipment and just how to do it. But yeah, once you get into the union, you know, all these feature, all these studio movies are union crews. So like you said, there's a, a set lighting union, a grip union, a camera union. Yeah, you definitely have to stay in your lane. So it's just kind of learning who does what, you know, who to ask for what, you know, it takes a little time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would yeah, imagine sure. every production is probably a little different, like you said, and it's just kind of like, reading the room pretty much and like how this how this is going to operate kind of yeah definitely at first yeah yeah because if it's if it's a new experience there's it's really easy to get overwhelmed there's so much going on and uh i think the first time i was actually on a movie where it had like a really good experienced crew you're just blown away you're like oh my god like this thing is amazing like just how well run it is you know and to have it so segregated in each department. And a lot of times you'll have, you know, groups of people that have never worked together that because of they're so, because they're so good at what they do and it's for the common goal of making this movie, they just gel, you yeah. know? I mean, for, for the most, 
for the most part. Every once in a while, you'll have a couple dudes get into it, but yeah. but it's pretty amazing to to watch everybody just do it together, you know. And when you kind of like you mentioned, like you joined the union. So like you said, there's a different union for each discipline. Like there's the electrical union. There's isn't like a camera union. Um, mm-hmm. Can you even like work in this business? Like when you're doing that, not being in the union or basically if you're, if you want to work in the film industry in, in Los Angeles area, California, or even wherever, is that this kind of major component? If you want to work on these bigger productions, you think? Yeah. If you want to work on big studio movies, you have to be in the union. It's a bit of a catch 22 because, uh, you know, there's two ways to get into the union. I mean, the nice thing about Los Angeles is there's still a lot of non-union work. You know, there's a lot of independent movies, so you can get the experience, but to join the union, I think you have to have like a hundred non-consecutive days of doing the job that you want to get into a union as mm-hmm. or 30 consecutive days. And that means working on a union job for 30 days, which you can't do because you're not in the union or working on a non-union job that throughout the duration of the shoot flips to a union job. And then you automatically get into the union. Yeah. So there's a, there's a couple, it's a weird, it's weird. There's a couple ways to do it, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I always tell people is your first hurdle is to get into the union, you know, mm-hmm. join the union. Um, and I think a lot of people think once you're in the union, you're like home free which is not, not the case. They don't do anything as far as finding work for us. It's okay. all network. It's all networking and who, you know, um, you know, they, they supply your health care, you know, and your pension, but you have to work so many hours a year to even keep your health care going with them. Yeah. You know, okay. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of people in our union that don't, that don't work all that regularly. Hold on. Hold on know? one sec, yeah. Matt. One sec. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, right anyways, yeah, we were talking about like you're in the union and stuff. You're working as a camera assistant. Um, when did you kind of start focusing more on uh, the unit photography and stuff you're kind of doing more of now, I guess? Well, I mean, I was always uh, conscious of the unit guys because there's always one on a film and they're in the same union as the camera assistants. So you, they kind of like share space on our camera truck. You're, they're always on set with them. So I always knew of the job and I was always interested in it and I always kind of befriended the ones that I liked. And, uh, I think at just some point I was an assistant for about 12 years, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, uh, at some point I was just like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Cause it's a very, uh, technical position. Um, it's not very creative, you know, mm. and I was always a creative guy and I was like, you know what? I, at, at, in fact, I actually thought about getting out of the movie business altogether. I was, starting to shoot a lot more skating. I had a, a stand, a, you know, shooting surfing for a while, you know, had, had a water housing. Wow. And I was just like, I'm, I'm getting too old for this shit. You know, I can't like, as far as, far as surf photography, the, the guys that are true watermen that get out there and swim, those guys are amazing. And yeah. it's just, uh, it wasn't my thing. You know, it's still fun. I still do it from time to time. Um, but I really just thought I would concentrate on all the contacts that I'd made in the movie industry and uh, focus all my attention on unit photography. Uh, so I started to shoot, you know, projects on the side, you know, not telling anybody that I was doing that. There was a couple of photographers that I talked to that were kind of giving me guidance throughout the process. But at that point, you know, I was married, I had a family, I couldn't just quit cold turkey. Yeah. So we kind of needed a plan as far as, you know, I talked to my wife, we both knew that once I made the jump, that the work was going to, you know, it was going to slow down big because anytime you start over, 
you know, you have to reinvent yourself. It takes, it it takes years. Yeah. And it did. It took me a couple years to get some legs under me. Um, so, you know, that's been, I've been shooting unit for about 11 years now, I guess. So, and, and are unit photographers, are you, do you guys have a union within yourselves or are the unit photographers basically like freelance in the same way that most like editorial guys are, or how does that kind of work? So we're freelance. I mean, everybody that works on a film sets freelance, but yep. you are in part of a local for IATSE, which is our mother union. It's the international Alliance of theatrical stage employees. So every local, so for camera and IATSE, it's local 600. That's all camera guys, cinematographers, operators, assistants, and unit photographers. Mm. So I was already in the union, so I just had to reclassify. So that wasn't a big deal. Um, but yeah, you have to be in the union to be on set. So. And what, how would you describe the job of a unit photographer? Like, what's your goal? Because um, looking at your site, like some of the movies, you'll do the movie posters and then some of it's like behind the scenes stuff. Um, what are like the assets being used for? And I guess like what's the overall job of a unit photographer on each project, I guess? Uh, so the, the, the best overall description I can give you is we're pretty much like a photojournalist on a movie set. Yeah. So instead of covering, you know, a war or something happening in the news, we're basically documenting the entire process of making the movie, Mm. you know? So that includes shooting behind the scenes, shooting, you know, marketing stuff, uh, you know, images for publicity, um, production stills. Uh, It could be images that are used for key art, like posters. I mean, a lot of posters, DVD covers, things like that come from the unit photography. You know, sometimes they'll comp them all together a lot of movies will still do a totally separate marketing shoot, you know, like an ad shoot. And sometimes we get to do those and sometimes we don't. Yeah. So, uh, so, you know, you'll be on a, you'll be doing the union and then they'll hire the studio, hire somebody like Frank Ockenfels, you know, and he'll do the key art shoot. Um, but sometimes they ask us to do it or it just depends. I think there's a, I don't know what the average is, but yeah, it's, it's always fun when we get to do that. And it doesn't come out of production's budget. It actually comes out of the studio's marketing budget. Oh, wow. So, so that's something that we set up completely separate than the unit. Oh, so if you shoot, if you're shooting the poster, you're, it's like a separate, like you got to invoice them separately, give them a different estimate just for that project pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. So the trend that I've been doing lately, which I don't like is they'll want to do the ad campaign on a production day. So I can't be on set shooting unit and shooting the poster. So sometimes I'll hire another unit guy to cover me on set or we'll do it on a day where there's really nothing happening on set. Uh, But yeah, it's a totally different location. You know, I'll hire a crew of assistants, you know, we'll rent all the pro photo gear, you know, we'll have that ad people there that, you know, it's, it's a whole other animal. No, it's interesting. And like, in terms of like creative approach, is there like a lot of direction in terms of like, I don't know, is it the director, if there's like a creative director or something in terms of like how they want you to approach doing the unit photography from project to project? Or is it more that it's kind of like, here's what we want and do your thing? Or how does that kind of work, I guess? It's different on every project. Um, A lot of the times, you know, you're hired because they're familiar with your work. You know, they know that you can handle yourself on a set. Um, in the studios, they'll have wish lists, you know, they'll, so before, before I get hired or once I get hired, I usually read the script. So I have an idea what the film's about. I don't know how everybody else does it, but I like to make notes like, you know, this scene might be cool to shoot. Um, 
because you know essentially for the production stills you're trying to s tell the same story the filmmakers are but in a single image mm. you know and that may be the first look image that they put out you know in the entertainment rags or on social media you know to get people excited you know about the film you know like first look of batman or you know those yeah, kinds they're of like, things they're so, like oh they're filming in new zealand right now the movie will be out in two years or whatever yeah and so you know i try to get an idea of what it's gonna be before we actually get on set and so the studio will do the same thing you know they have a photo department a marketing team you know they'll read the script they'll send me notes hey you know we want uh you know to concentrate on these scenes this might be a cool first look and honestly they they have no idea most of the time because and even I don't, because the way it reads is completely different than how it actually translates on the day. Yeah. You know, I, I think I got notes from a job once where I was just going out for a day and it was a scene at an airport where all these cops show up, you know, and the, so the photo editor sending me an email, you know, we want it to look like this epic, you know, all the police cars arrive and the, the you know, the hangars with the airports and you know, blah, blah, blah. And I get there and it's literally like a, like a, canopy tent with a glider in it and i think two cop cars pull up and yeah. you know you can only make it look so epic with what you have there you know, so yeah yeah that's kind of the interesting thing about um what you do i would imagine is where you're kind of working around um the cinematographers who are creating the lighting for their film it's i can't you can't really set up your own lighting in terms of strobes or anything so like how do you, is that kind of how you approach it? Like you kind of just have to work with the lighting that the filmmakers are using pretty much? Yeah, so different unit photographers approach it differently. Um, and I've had people tell me, oh, you know, you're, you have the easiest job because you just show up and the cinematographers lit everything for you and you just push the button. Yeah, except you have a dolly grip and a boom operator and I don't know how many different stands with diffusion or floppies or, or actual lights, you know, that you have to shoot around mm -hmm. without distracting the actor, you know, and the thing is it's lit, but it's lit for their camera. It's not lit for your camera. Exactly. So I have to find the best spot for me to get the most interesting image. And sometimes it's not, it's totally off access from what they're shooting. You know, I had, you know, they have a nice clean, shot from their direction but if i go completely to the other side maybe half the actor's face falls in shadow and to me it looks more like an interesting shot than what they're doing you know and i've had times on set where i'm finding my spot you know before we go and the dp walks over and he's like oh that's a fucking great shot but bring the camera over here you know and then they so that's always a compliment but kind of a bummer too because you don't necessarily get the shot yeah. um but that's kind of the the challenge of being a unit photographer too is finding something interesting that tells the same story but maybe from a different perspective and know? i would imagine since you're working with different cinematographers and dps on job to job some guys light their stuff super dark some guys might have more light so it's always just that different challenge and like how these guys approach it you got to kind of work around it pretty much yeah absolutely and i mean without naming names some guys don't necessarily know what they're doing you know and and I think when you shoot with the cameras that they're using now, like their Alexas and the Reds, you know, their native ISO is like 800. And how that translates into a still camera is completely different. Yeah. Because you want to shoot at a decent shutter speed so you don't have a lot of motion blur. So, you know, that figuring out your numbers compared to their numbers, 
you know, it may look bitching on their camera, but you've got no light on yours. Yeah. So I, there was a time when I did a string of like horror movies. So super dark sets and you just kind of learn to adapt to it and get comfortable, really push your ISOs. Mm. Um, you know, don't be scared, you know, take the training wheels off and just go for it. And then once you can get solid images in those types of lighting environments then everything else is, you know, easy. And how do you manage the set? Cause I've worked, I've done some jobs where I get hired to do the stills on like a TV commercial where it's like a sizable production. And I'm just kind of the same thing. I'm kind of in the back. And then when they're done, like filming, I got to jump in and try to get what, what I can. And it's like, it's different from set to set. Like some guys, the, the crew's cool. They're like, they know what you got to do. You got to do your job and they give you the time. Other guys are like, as soon as they hit cut, they're trying to break down the lights. And it's like, whoa, 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 guys, I got to do my thing. Is that something yeah. you're going to have to manage? And how do you kind of approach it, I guess? Uh, yeah, you have to do that sometimes. I don't, I don't like doing setups, especially, you know, if, if it's a scene and there's, you know, actors doing their thing. Because when you set it up, it's yeah. the the mood isn't there anymore. You know, the emotions aren't there. It's just kind of fake. Yeah. And so I always try to get it during the takes so that it's really selling their performance. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, if there's sometimes there are those, there's those times that you can't just can't get in there and uh, yeah, you ask for a setup and most of the times that they forget or, you know, you really have to hound them, but it, it depends on the filmmakers too. You know, yeah. um, and sometimes the actors, you know, sometimes the actor will be, you know, this is a really emotional scene for me. I don't want an extra camera in here, <clears throat> but as soon as we get it, I'll do a whole take just for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's happened as well too. So that's interesting. And are you generally, um, are you just working by yourself or like on some productions, are you bringing in a second photographer to get multiple angles or like, what's the team involved with like unit photography, I guess. Usually there's just one. Yeah, I've been on a couple jobs where I'll bring in a second shooter. If it's like a massive set, you know, and there's, just too many places to cover at once. Mm -hmm. um, or, or if like a big stunt is maybe happening one take, you know, you might bring in somebody else, but it's usually, it's usually just you. Yep. And I don't try to, um, like I said, I, I always watch rehearsals. I watch camera rehearsals, lighting rehearsals, and I'm not the kind of guy that just sits there and, and hoses down the scene. You know, I look for the best moment in the scene that I think will make the most interesting photograph. And that's kind of what I concentrate on. Yeah. So I pick, I pick that angle, you get it, maybe usually one take, sometimes two takes, and then you get out of there or you move and find something else, you know, but I don't, I don't like to hover. Yeah. You know, you, you got it, you got it, you know, you know, when you have it. So, yeah, uh, it really, but yeah. It was interesting. Like I was looking at, um, you did the poster for vice, which is the movie about, uh, what was it like George Bush, right? Or no, uh, it was Dick, about Ch Dick Cheney. Cheney. Dick, yeah. Dick Cheney. Yeah. And, uh, I was looking at it and I was looking at that one. And then I was looking at 21 bridges and I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell if they were like setup shots or it was really just like pure reportage. And then you guys kind of like edit it and kind of like put a little sauce on it afterwards or. Um, so, so vice, I did the unit and some of the posters are my unit photography. Yeah. And then there was a whole other campaign that uh, Frank Ockenfell shot. Yeah. So he did a whole, he did like two days of, a poster shoot for that so some of the stuff is his some of the stuff is mine um 21 bridges was all an ad campaign that was i think there was one poster where i think where chadwick and sienna are kind of like running through the city yeah it's like it looks like it's all like it's got i'm imagining it's composite like it's like a yes so those are like two or three different unit shots that they composited together 
um, the solo stuff of Chadwick was all the ad stuff that I did on a seamless. And that stuff when they're doing the composite for like that poster, um, do you kind of know that beforehand or are they kind of just taking whatever you kind of captured on that, on that production and they kind of like put something together pretty much or what's kind of your involvement, if any, in terms of like the retouching, I guess. Uh, I have zero involvement in the retouching and usually I don't know what they're going to come together. And to be honestly, to be honest, like they don't either until all the assets are in. Exactly. You know, they may have a couple, you know, if they, it's surprising if they start working on the, the campaign while we're shooting, you know, they may have ideas and then they'll, you know, call somebody at the studio, they'll call us and say, Hey, try to look for these types of shots, you know? And so we'll try to do that on set. I, I work with a unit publicist. She's oh. they're usually the kind of the liaison between the filmmakers and the studio. And that's yeah. kind of my go-to person on set. Um, but yeah, they kind of, I think they wait to see, you know, all the content that they have and then they start comping stuff together. I mean, 21 Bridges was interesting because I remember one of the notes that they gave us was we want it to look like a cop movie, but we don't want to see any guns. And I'm like, okay, but every scene they're like holding a gun, <laughs> you know? So, uh, it's just, it's bizarre. It's a bizarre world. And, and the notes you get sometimes, you just kind of have to roll. It, you know? Yeah, I don't know if you saw, but there's one poster where Chadwick has like red and blue light on yeah. that's kind of edging. So I set that up with the red and blue light, and you know the the ad company was there, and they're like, "That's we like it, but it's really too edgy. Can you just do it without the gels?" Got it. So I did it. I did it without the gels, and, and then they added the light in later. Afterwards, yeah, yeah, that's yeah not it was just like <laughs> so. That's how yeah. it always goes, man. On those jobs, they want you to do a million things and then they end up using like the most simple photo a lot of the times. It's they, interesting. Totally. They always go like the safest route, you know? <laughs> and then I've, yeah, yeah, no. And I've been on jobs where they'll have somebody like, you know, Frank shooting the poster. And this isn't an example of Frank, but I've had other photographers shooting the poster set up like on the stage next door. Yep. And I, I go just walk over to see what they're doing. And all of their reference photos are all my unit photos. Oh, interesting. So they're trying to recreate, you know, what you, I've already shot. Yeah. But they're in a always, separate That's budget. frustrating. Like, why don't you guys just hire me, man? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And sometimes they end up just using my stuff anyways, but it's kind of, uh, yeah. I don't know. There's a, there's a weird vibe in Hollywood where I think they, they don't think that unit photographers can do that type of stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, it's kind of like this weird thing definitely it's like it's like i i get it in a sense because it's like um it's anything like you built your name name up to a level and it's you have a your name has like a branding to it a little bit i guess it's like sure it is frustrating i do it's the same thing sometimes because i look at it like you're looking at a campaign you're like damn i know i could do that but it's hard, sometimes it's hard to get those jobs but it's this i think i don't know it just takes time building your name up and stuff um and that was like one thing I was kind of interested in talking to you about, like, um, how do you go about like marketing yourself for this type of work? Are you marketing yourself to the studios, to the directors, the cinematographers, or how does that kind of aspect of the job work? That's a good question. It's, there's really no right way or good way to do it. I mean, at, at, th at this point, I kind of get all of my jobs through uh, studios or filmmakers that I've already worked with, mm -hmm. or they've been referred, you know, I've been referred to them through somebody that they know 
so it's mostly networking you know yeah. i have an i have a rep now and she, there's only one rep that excuse me uh she reps she's the only one that reps unit photographers and i think she only reps at like 10 in the states most of her clients and most of the people that she reps are in like europe and australia and i've been with her for like a year and a half and i haven't got any work out of it yet but you know <laughs> yeah, <you laughs> it's kind of like uh it's just always kind of repeat offenders that call me you know yeah. and i mean and and i'm totally fine with that i mean if you if people enjoy hiring you and they enjoy your work they enjoy you being around then that's I will work for them all day long, you know? Yeah. I think that's the best way. If you, the word of mouth is the best way to get work pretty much. It's it's like, that's sure. the name, name of the game. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because like being that you're in like a union, can you still being a photographer say if like, I don't know, uh, Nissan hits you up to like, Hey, we saw your work. We'd like you to hire you to do this campaign. Are you still allowed to do that? Or how does that kind of aspect work? Yeah, you can totally do that stuff. I mean, uh, the union, say you get you get hired for a film that's not union then the union wants you to report it yeah. you know but that's more for their needs not anything that has to do with you they just want to try to flip it to a union production mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean i think the union guidelines is you can only take union work but you know it's a, you, know, you have to survive you know yeah no it's a, it's yeah. interesting because the world you operate in is so different than like everyone i've talked to it's really interesting um, and another aspect of that, like when you're getting hired to work on these big movies like Marvel or whatever, me, 21 Bridges, whatever it is, um, to, as a photographer, do you still own the copyright to your work or is it more just kind of a work for hire thing? And then the studio that's kind of owns those assets pretty much. That's it, man. You're a gun, you're a hired gun. They own everything. Yeah. So yeah. And you don't own any copyright on any of that. I mean, maybe back in the day, some of the older cats did, but yeah. not anymore. You know, it's and, cool. Uh, I mean, they it's cool they allow you to use it on your website because I know like I've interviewed some photographers and they've shown me like they've done these amazing projects and they're not even allowed to put it on their website or anything so it's kind of uh it's yeah I mean that's still a problem with the studios really? uh dude I I did a movie 10 years ago I'm still waiting for photo approval to use stuff on my website and you know the, here's the thing the amount of photos that we take on a film I mean on a large I think on Black Panther, maybe 20,000 images were taken yep. and they used maybe 20. Wow. And in my opinion, they weren't the best images, yeah, yeah, exactly. but they, but they satisfied their, their what, needs, the studio's yep. needs, you know, um, but there's such cooler images that I want to use and, and I can't get them approved. Yeah, especially you know? a movie like that. Shit, man, you could do a whole book or like an art gallery show. This because like that was just such like a, a huge movie um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, Absolutely. When you were going in, when you got hired to go into Black Panther, uh, what do you kind of remember about that job? Because like like I said, it's just such a huge production, so many moving parts. Like, do you feel you have a different approach for like these huger productions versus something else, or is it all this kind of the same to you? I guess. I, I try to approach every job the same, you know, mm -hmm. give them the same 110% or whatever you're going to give them. But, uh, I mean, I was excited. I mean, I had worked with Chadwick before, uh, so we already had that relationship. Um, and then I had kind of been courting Marvel for a little while. I had done some TV work for them. And I think because I had a relationship with Chadwick already, it was just kind of a good fit. Marvel was ready to, you know, give me a shot. 
the main photographer that they use, I think he was doing Avengers or something, so he couldn't do it. So it just it all it was kind of a perfect storm came together. Yeah. Um, and honestly, man, on those big budget movies, they're they take their time, you know. So there's like no rushing. You know, everybody's at the top of their game. You've got like the best guys in the business. Um, it's fun. But for me, I mean, I didn't get to read the script, you yeah. know, because Marvel's so lock and key. They're super tight on all that. Like, I, I didn't even know what the movie was about or like what's happening from day to day. You yeah. know, I'd have to go ask the producer, like, you know, who's that guy? Is that like a character I need to be concentrating on? Oh, yeah, you should shoot that guy. You know, things like that. You know, yeah. it's like the script is under lock and key. Um, but the challenge with those types of movies is all the visual effects. You know, a lot of our sets were partial sets that had blue screen or green screen that they would continue to set. Yeah. So trying to get a still image where you're not really seeing the blue screen, like with a practical set in the shot was always kind of a good challenge for me, you know, because yeah, yeah, it seems like so hard. Like even for the actors, I always thought like, how can you get in this mindset when you're just sitting on a green screen and you, I guess that's why they're actors. They can put themselves in a scenario. It must be very interesting to watch. Cause like you said, we, as a normal like consumer of the movie watches it, these sets are, they've built this whole world, but in reality, they've, they shot this in a lot on a green screen. It's really interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough for photography, you know, if you want them to use your images, you know, cause the reality is if it's a cool shot and there's a blue screen in it, if they're going to use an, a still frame from that, it's going to be something that's completely finished comped with the background in it. They'll just pull like a, a you know, a screen grab instead of a production still. And, and when um, you're working on like a black Panther, are you there from like day one of shooting to the last day pretty much? Yeah, the whole time of principal photography. So from call time in the morning to wrap at night. Wow. Every day. Yeah. And how many? How long was that shoot? Uh, I think it was like eighty something shooting days, eighty five shooting days. Wow. So you know, how many months is that? Four months. Five, five oh, months. Hey, hey that's <laughs> so, good. Hey, that's four months yeah. of getting paid, man. Yeah. No. Totally. Uh, yeah, it was fun. It was a. It was a. That was a really fun project. You know, mm. the cast was fantastic. Everybody was really was really great. You know, it imagine- was something different. Something different too. So definitely. Do you feel like being around all these? Like, I mean, you're working with the best directors and best cinematographers in the business. Um, do you feel like you learn a lot just from seeing how like directors deal with like talent and stuff? Because I would imagine that you could apply that to your own work when you're photographing people. I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you learn something on every project, you know, I, I think it'll be like that the, the rest of my career, you know, you're always learning, you can always walk away with something valuable from each job, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah, it's, it's amazing to watch, uh, you know, on Vice, Adam McKay was the director, just hands down, amazing, you know, just the way he worked with the talent. He's super funny. I mean, if you watch any of his old comedies, you know, like Step Brothers and, and those movies, you know, he's just a funny guy very smart so it's just it's you really have like a front row seat to some of the most amazing talent you know and christian bale like you know i'm like a couple feet from him through the whole thing you know and just watching that performance in real time is pretty incredible and is it very is it pretty much like the director really sets the tone of the set you think like obviously every director has different personalities maybe some people are more laid back some people are more serious is that kind of a big component of like working on these things because you're 
like yeah. you said, you can work on a project for four months and it could be tense or it could be more laid back, uh, I guess. Yeah, it, absolutely. Uh, it starts at the top, I think, like anything, whether it's your director or your your lead actors, you know, they really kind of set the tone. I mean, I've been on a couple of films that were just train wrecks because the director was just a total maniac and had everybody below him stressed out the entire time, which is just a really kind of uncomfortable vibe throughout the whole production, you know? Uh, And then I've been on another show where the director didn't know what he was doing, was just kind of wacky, but the lead actors were so grounded that kind of everybody else just kind of took their cues from them. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, you really, uh, you just kind of have to, play the room on each job you know and and see where you fit in as well because you don't need a unit photographer to make a movie mm-hmm. you know but you need one to document it and you know market it and things like that so you really kind of have to figure out where you play into the entire process yeah and i've been really lucky that i've worked with a lot of filmmakers and actors that get it they understand why you're there but i've heard horror stories from other ones too like you know actors don't want you on set um you know knock on wood i've i've had a really good run i've had a couple that were tricky but you just kind of learn how to you know deal with them so yeah it's like any job you're gonna have your good days bad days it's kind of keep uh, pushing through it um, yeah and with like technology and cameras changing like you hear people saying like oh you can just take stills from video cameras now um do you feel like that has changed the business of unit photography at all when they're shooting with these big like red cameras and stuff or not so much you think i I think on lower budget stuff maybe Mm -hmm. uh not not on big movies or studio films because you know a good example is i had a friend who's a unit photographer he's a really close friend of mine he did um one of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies. Wow. Like one of the remakes, it was, you know, not that long ago. And uh, they shot it with the red camera. And, you know, the reality is, even if it's like a 4K camera, when you take a moving picture and freeze it, it's not as sharp as a still photo. No. And so we were laughing because, you know, this, I don't know if it was American Cinematographer, some magazine came out and it was a two-page article from Red and they're like, you know, look at the amazing stills. It can come from this 4K camera. And it was a shot that he had taken. On the next page was the exact same still that he took. And it was like 100 times sharper than the reds. So for marketing publicity needs, I think stills, you know, it's still the way to go for sure. Yeah, definitely. And not even that. It's just like you can get so many different varied perspectives because you're, you're able to move quickly and get different takes. And it's like when that yes. cameras is sitting on on sticks it's like it's not going anywhere so it's like that's where the real documentary aspect of what you do uh Ab- separates it you know absolutely and i think it's really important for i mean i hate it when people call us uh bts shooters because behind the scenes is just such a small fraction of what we do yep. but i think it's important for new unit photographers and just unit photographers in general to get really good behind the scenes images because that's just solidifying why we're on set you know, we're there to shoot. Yeah, the really glossy, you know, either the key art image or the first look for the magazine, but to show the production or the scope of the production, you know, you want to show photos of the filmmakers interacting with your talent. I mean, that's why we're there. Mm-hmm. So really concentrate on uh, those good images, you know, and I love a challenge of making a good behind the scenes photo because 
it says a lot, you know, it's kind of like pulls back from what the moviegoer doesn't see at all. Yeah. It's all, it's all in the details. That's why I always respect like really good photojournalists. They could take a picture of like the smallest minute thing. It could be like a, some random napkin or something. It's just like, it's just like, Oh, that small detail really, when you add them all up, that's what really tells the story. Sure. Yeah. It's interesting. And And on a film set, there's always so much to shoot. Like I'm never not shooting. Like, I don't shoot every scene because, you know, if it's a guy in a bathroom, or they're never going to use that. You know, they're never going to use the guy laying in bed or what, you know, you have an idea of the types of images they're going to use. Yeah. If it's, but there's always, you know, plates of the sets to shoot. There's always props, depending on the type, type of film, you know, there's costumes, you know, you document all that stuff. And now, especially nowadays with social media, like, you know, I, I talked to the social media departments at the studio. I was like, what, what are your, what's your game plan for releasing stuff? A lot of times they'll get it from the actors or the filmmakers themselves. Yeah. But if I see something interesting on set that I think they could use, I'll shoot it, you know? Hmm. And, uh, you know, just, there's always something to shoot. No, for sure. And, like, do you feel like, because looking at everything you've done, you, you've worked on dramas, you've worked on comedies, horror movies do you feel like there's one genre that you enjoy working on most or what kind of projects do you think kind of draw your interest more than others you think i don't i don't know if there's one i like to shoot more than the other i I do like the uh you know keeping it fresh and doing something new I, i think i think comedy is the hardest to shoot because if it's if the comedy is uh dialogue driven that's really hard to convey in a still image, you yeah. know, if it's like more slapsticky yep. physical comedy, then yeah, it's, it's easier to do. But if it's all about like two guys talking and they're just riffing and telling jokes, you just don't get it in a still sometimes, you know? Yeah. It's just like so, two, it's two guys standing in a room. Yeah. yeah. I, I but it could be funny as shit when you watch the movie, you know, but as a still, it just doesn't translate sometimes. So I think comedy's the hardest. Um, I, find myself leaning more towards like kind of moody stuff you know like I kind of like the more moody you know a lot of shadows and interesting lighting and things like that so whether it's dramas or horror movies are a blast I love shooting on the horror movies yeah I was gonna ask you about that you shot the conjuring 2 uh real scary movie um I was just kind of curious like because when you watch that it's so tense it's so everyone's like nerve-wracking watching those type of movies but like what's the mood on a set like that is it's the same feeling when these actors are like uh, portraying these scenes or what's what's it what, what do you kind of remember most about kind of working on those type of projects i guess uh it's it's so much fun man sometimes yes it's uh the mood of the actors you know because James Wan was the director and I've done four movies with him. He's like one of my favorite guys to work with. Um, He really knows what he's doing technically. Uh, He knows what every lens does, how lighting works, camera movement. Uh, I mean, he's just involved in every aspect and he's really good with his talent. So for that movie, you know, he could really get in the kids' heads, you know, because I think there's nothing scarier when you're mixing like monsters and horror with children. Yeah. Like it's just such a tense vibe and the, all the kids were fantastic in that. So he would really get them in the mood. Um, but it's, it's totally different because there's no, there's no music. There's no sound effects. You know, the, the things that kind of set it up, yeah. it's not as scary when you're doing it. Yeah. But, you know, when they bring in, I think, uh, what was it? The, uh, not the Slender Man, but, you know, the really wiry guy from, you know, that guy was a trip. And, yeah, mm-hmm. he's kind of spooky when you see him pop out of the shadows. Anything that we do with the monsters or the creature or makeup, 
is pretty creepy on set you know yeah. and obviously the light the lighting you know so yeah it's like fun, you, yeah yeah it's like you're saying like because horror films usually are a little more contrasty um it's not so flat or anything so yeah as a photographer that must be kind of exciting to walk into those scenarios um, yeah because you want to I mean, especially with James, like you kind of get a feel for the films that he makes and you really want to hide things in the shadows, you know, you, you don't want to give it all away. So trying to do those in, in stills is really fun. Yeah. You know? that, another hard part I would imagine like your job is like, maybe people don't realize this, but they don't shoot the movies in order. It's not like we're shooting scene yeah. one. it's all this like all over the place. So it's like, like you're saying, like sometimes they don't give you the script. So is that kind of difficult? Like, cause you're, you show up to set and you're like, where the hell are we? Like, how do I like manage? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, a lot of times you don't get the script, but you'll get, um, we're called sides and it's kind of like the script pages for the day. Um, or even on the call sheet, it'll kind of give a brief description of what we're doing. Yep. And you know, if I don't get what's happening, then I'll, I'll go to the director, or the publicist or somebody and ask them, you know, what, like what's happening? Like, what do I really need to concentrate on? And when you work with filmmakers that are really collaborative like that, it's, it's awesome. You know, yeah. I've, you know, Adam McKay, James Wan are just wonderful directors to work with as far as the stills are required. Um, yeah. I mean, I just did a movie with James in the fall last year and you know we had conversations from day one you know hey james what, do, what are you thinking for key art you know what are some images you know and so i would put that in my head and then he'd get an idea and he'd tell me oh man you got to come over here and shoot this and or then i would shoot something that he didn't think about and i'd show him and he's like oh that's killer you know and just kind of it's really nice to have those relationships you know yeah that's awesome so it's like really a collaboration because i would imagine maybe sometimes some directors it's just like an afterthought to them like they're not really thinking about that aspect of it sometimes yeah, totally. Or they just don't care. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're they're concentrating on so many other aspects of what's happening that like, you know, marketing and publicity photography is the last thing that's kind of on their plate. Yeah, for you sure. Know? No, that's yeah. interesting. And uh, I saw you on your website, you you shot down in Havana, Cuba, uh, I believe it was one of the Fate of the Furious, which is part of the Fast and the Furious franchise. I was kind of yeah. curious what uh, I went to Cuba right back in March before everything kind of blew up. Um, what was kind of your experience? Because it looked wild. You guys had like a helicopter in the middle of the street. Um, and Fast and the yeah. Furious, it's like, I mean, you watch a Fast and Furious movie, the entire movie is just like, car chases and shit blowing up uh how is it kind of working on that project and getting to go down there i guess yeah i mean first of all cuba was amazing you know you've been there i mean yeah. the people are fantastic it's you know havana was awesome we loved it loved the food just it was a good experience but you know we were i think we were the one of the first big movies to shoot there yeah. and the the logistics of it was just insane i mean they barged in all of our production trucks our camera trucks our lighting trucks our grip trucks um they went down weeks ahead you know we had camera helicopters we had camera bikes you know camera cars you know these pursuit arms that have these you know robotic arms that spin around on a, all this stuff they use for big car movies um the first two weeks in in havana were basically just stunt doubles racing around and for me, it's just kind of like, you know, those movies are all about the cars, yep. <laughs> you know, and the action. Yep. So you would, I mean, there were so many camera positions throughout the city. You would just kind of post up next to one of them and then next take, you know, go somewhere else and post up. Um, and I think the last three days is when we actually had actors show up. 
And so then, you know, we shot with the actors, but uh, nowadays with those movies, none of the, none of the actors are actually in cars anymore. Uh, They used to do more practical driving or, or towing the picture cars. And now, now they're just on like gimbaled rigs, you know, they're the actual cars, but they're on these robotic gimbals. The actors can safely, you know, uh, sit in them. And then they comp in the city around. Oh, them. so they'll they'll shoot the actors with the gimbal thing, like on a green screen, and then plug it in, or all that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they actually those movies they've dialed in like car work. Yeah. So one of the one of the cooler sets or one of the cooler ways they shoot that is so for the Cuba sequence where Vin Diesel is you know rate he's racing the local Cuban guy and they're bumping into cars and stuff. That was all stunt doubles doing all yeah. the driving. Uh, when we were done in Cuba. We had a green screen set that kind of went, you know, it was like a 180 around. It's kind of like an air hockey table. Okay. And so the, the cars float on top of this table and you just have a couple grips in the back pushing them. And so the cars are just kind of floating around like this. And then they'll be like, okay, you know, move Vin's car and the grips will push Vin's car into the other guy's car. Yeah. And there's either cameras mounted on the cars or on cranes and it, you know, and then they'll comp out all the grips and all the green screen. And when, so when me, they're and when they're filming that stuff, are they playing like? Will they ever like play the music to like help the actors get in the in the in the mindset, or not even? It's all just like do your thing, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they know. I mean, maybe is. they'll maybe they'll show them the actual footage of the stunt guys racing the cars, you know, to yeah. get them all psyched up. But yeah, 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 it's not it's not as exciting <laughs> as people think it is, you know. <laughs> That's another thing. I was like, can you still enjoy watching movies? Because now that you've like you know how you can watch a movie and be like, oh, that's how they did this and that's how they did that. Can you still sit and like enjoy a movie at this point? Yeah, if it's a good movie, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I mean, I've worked on some stinkers, and there's some, you know, that you're surprised. Oh, that you know turned out way better than I remember it. Or, yeah, that's exactly how I remember it. You know, yeah. and uh, but you know something like uh, like Black Panther. There's so much that they added in. It was really cool to see the finished product. You know, because yeah. none most of that wasn't there when we were doing it. You know, but yeah, you remember like you see every scene I, I remember where i was at what i shot you know like what was happening that day i mean you remember everything else about it when you watch it yeah so yeah no, but i can usually i can usually only watch the movies i worked on like once you know yeah for sure yeah. um and like what do you think it is about unit photography that you enjoy the most because it's, it's just such an interesting style of photography i guess it seems for me like from the outside looking in it seems like a component of it that, that seems enjoyable maybe either enjoyable or painful is getting to work with like a group of people, like on a project kind of being part of a team. Cause like a lot of, I know a lot of my work for the most part, I'm shooting editorial. So a lot of times it's just me, maybe one assistant. Um, is that kind of part of it? You think just getting to work with all these like really talented people? Yeah. I mean, that's definitely part of it. It's, it's great to be around just that creative energy and, and kind of, you know, seeing behind the smoke and mirrors. I mean, I've loved movies since I was a kid. I mean, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be a stuntman. So how they're made has kind of always interested me. And so being able to document that is just, you know, there's days on certain jobs, you're just like, oh my God, you know, I can't believe I get paid to do this. You know, like I don't get starstruck, but it's pretty cool when you're on some of these sets and you're, you're seeing, you know, I've got, like I said, I've got a front row seat to things that, people would love to see you know yeah. you try not to try not to take that for granted you know um but 
what I love about unit photography is, um, like I said, trying to tell the same story in a single image. Mm. If you can capture like the essence of the scene or the film in a single frame, then uh, it's pretty cool, you know, to try to tell that story, you know, stay true to the, stay true to the filmmakers, but kind of put your own style on it as well. Not definitely. And then like, in terms of like technical, like gear wise, um, what are you usually working with? Cause it's like, um, if you're shooting while they're actually acting and stuff, you can't be making a lot of noise. So like, how do you approach that aspect of it? So prior to mirror, I'm using mirrorless systems now. So mm-hmm. but prior to mirrorless, you know, we would have uh, what are called sound blimps, yeah. which are essentially, you know, housings that suppress the sound. So you'd put your DSLR in there, you know, you'd have to preset everything before you put it in the box and then you would shoot with that they're just you know they're cumbersome they're kind of big they're like lunch boxes with a tube on it you know yep. um but you got used to shooting with them that's how you did it you know um but now with you know mirrorless is like super liberating because you don't have the bulkiness you know i shoot with the fuji system so you know the led screens they articulate you can shoot around corners you can instead of laying down in the dirt you can just kind of you know, bend down and flip the screen up and shoot that way. Yeah. It, and, and then you have all your controls right there, you know, with the Fuji system, you can change your stop on the lens, you know, your shutter, your ISO is all a hard dial. So it's kind of reminiscent of like, you know, film days. No, that's interesting. So. Yeah. Cause I remember reading about those, the blimp things and yeah, it's like a bulky thing. I remember looking, I was like, man, this looks like a pain in the ass to shoot with. It totally was. I mean, there was a guy, Mark Jacobson, who kind of his dad invented them. And that was the norm for unit photographers for like 50 years. Yeah. And he just retired like a couple of years ago. And then there was a company called Aquatech that makes water housings. Mm-hmm. And uh, they invent, they designed a new sound blimp. And that was what I was using towards the end of the, the blimp era. Um, and they were more ergonomic. They looked more like a water housing. So they kind of had like grips built into it. And they were just a little more comfortable to hold. Um, but yeah, most have you, mirrorless. Have you had to do any underwater unit photography before? Um, so on Conjuring 2, you know, we had, uh, I still have a water housing and we were shooting some stuff in a tank and I yeah. thought I was going to have to get in the, but it wasn't, it was like waist high. So <laughs> I just, I think I had a camera in a housing, but I didn't need it. So, <laughs> cool. but as far as uh, underwater photography now, cause I'm not, I'm not dive certified or anything. So yeah, there yeah. are some guys that do that stuff. Yep. Um, but no, I haven't had to do that. Have you, I, I mean, have you got into the drone stuff at all? Because I, I see so much drone photography now. I was curious, maybe, is that anything you thought about delving into? Obviously, I think you got to get a license and stuff. Um, but is that even anything you'd want to do? I guess you couldn't really do it on a movie set because it would just be the recording and stuff. Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, no, I haven't haven't yeah. had any desire to get into I mean, we have, we'll have drone crews come out for films. I mean, yeah. they've kind of kind of replaced helicopters for a lot of shots i still think it's more bitching to see a helicopter you know with a camera on it to come in than a drone to me drones just aren't that impressive uh but they're cool i mean they get good footage they definitely get footage that you know helicopters can't get yeah um but as far as stills i never really uh yeah thought about it i mean i've been on jobs where i've tried to set up multiple you know locked off cameras mm-hmm. and they just they don't work that great and nah. i don't know if i'm doing it wrong i mean in the day i did them with pocket wizards and now you can do them with apps on your phones but on a movie set there's so much rf in the air 
like yep. everything is wireless. The cameras are wireless. The video is wireless. The lighting is all wireless now. Sound wow, is even, wireless. Wow. So everything is wireless. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. That's an interesting aspect of it. Yeah. yeah so for a little you know, squeaky signal for a still camera to try to fight through all that RF in the air, it just doesn't work yeah. that good. What's yeah. a, like you've got to work on like, like we were talking about Fast and the Furious. They're doing all these crazy stunts. Is there like any stunt that you, you've gotten to witness that kind of sticks out more than others? Because maybe, maybe, I, maybe they're crazier looking at the movie, obviously, than in person. But is there one that sticks out? You're like, damn, that was nuts. You know, on that movie, no. And simply because all the cool stunts are done by our second unit. Oh. So, <laughs> so on a film like that, you know, you have your first unit, which is all your actors. True. And then a second unit is all the just killer stunts, the car chases. And that's a completely separate crew. Yeah. And, and there's usually not a still photographer on the second unit, which I think there should be. Yeah. Every once in a while there is, but for the most part, no. Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting, man. Um, but I guess like what, what's next for you, man? What's got you excited? Is there any like anything on your bucket list, any projects or directors you're hoping to work with or, or what's kind of, what's, what's got, what's next for you, man? Man, I don't know. I mean, right now I just want to go back to work. Yeah, me too, <laughs> dude. I'm in the same boat. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's so this, you know, just unknown right now it, i'll just be stoked to get back to work but as far as bucket list projects i don't i mean i still i'm still one of these days want to get on some sort of star wars project to me that yeah. would be like a bucket list Hell yeah. um and directors uh i think i'd really like to work with uh taika watiti he's just like uh what's you know, he did, he done? uh thor ragnarok uh, okay yeah. jo jojo rabbit uh he's just kind of like he's just out there, man. He does like really interesting stuff and he's seems really funny and just a good dude. I'd, I'd like to work with him one day. That's cool, um, man. But yeah, I mean, I've been trying to get back into skate photography a little bit. You know, I have a 16 year old son who treads right. and yeah, you know, he won't let me shoot him, but you know, oh, try really? to... <laughs> oh, <what the> heck, <laughs> yeah. man. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's all about the video clips with those guys, you know? Yeah. Skateboarding is wild now. It's like, there's only one magazine left pretty much. And it's like, uh, they don't really put videos out anymore everything's just on instagram clips it's kind of uh i know i, I miss the old days of like 411 and all those vhs tapes coming out you'd be waiting like sure six, like oh man the new girl video is coming out you know yeah absolutely or just a magazine in the mail you know i i mean there's something i still love looking at prints you know mm -hmm. there's just something you know tangible about holding it you know whether it's a magazine or a photo in your hands, you know, as opposed to looking at it on a screen, you know, yep. I just, I, I miss that dig it, you know? And like, so. in terms of magazines, are you, do you, cause you're shooting all these assets, the studio owns it. So do they just basically handle all the syndication and stuff if it gets used in a magazine or how does that kind of work? As far as how the studios gets it to the magazines or? Yeah, that's, you don't, you just shoot it and you basically just hand it over and they kind of, yeah. Yeah, because the whole process is once I've shot all the assets, they go to the studio, they kind of will do a rough edit on like the shots that they think they'll need that they yeah. want to use, you know, they'll kind of compartmentalize them that way. But then it has to go through an approval process. The, mm. the actors have to approve the images, you know, uh, wow. you know, because if they don't like the way they look or they have to put a note like you need to touch up this image. So there's just like all these different people that the images have to go through before they're finally approved. Yeah. And then a lot of times the studios will, you know, they'll, they'll set aside so many images for press, you know? And then, so 
you know, that's why you'll see like the same photos being used through different media outlets or magazines because yep. they all like that image or, you know, yep. I feel like the European market kind of picks the cooler stuff sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, it just, it really depends on what has been approved for everybody to kind of pick through. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I guess to wrap up, like, what advice would you give to anybody who's kind of interested in a career in like unit photography? Um, like what advice would you kind of give them to get their kind of foot in the door, I guess? Well, I mean, first of all, obviously, you know, dial in your photography, you know, understand lighting, know how to light, you know, understand good composition. Uh, and the best way to do that, if you want to be a unit photographer, is I always tell people, look at what other unit photographers are shooting. You know, look at the types of images that they're capturing on set, whether it's behind the scenes or production stills. Um, but as far as getting your foot in the door, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Yeah. Um, but my best advice is learn and understand how a film set works. Yeah. You know, whether that means going, you know, just volunteering on, on student thesis films at grad schools or, or just finding, you know, low budget music videos or short films or things like that. Just understand the dynamic of a film set mm -hmm. because I get people that email me all the time. Oh, you know, I, I shoot headshots or, you know, this kind of stuff. I'm a really good photographer. And I'm like, if you look at the majority of unit photographers, they're all really good photographers. But you got, that doesn't mean you can navigate your way on a movie set. You know, yeah, there's definitely. so many other, so many variables happening, so many moving parts. Um, you know, and, and some guys just get thrown under the bus because they don't know where to be. They don't know, you know, where the boom guy needs to be or where the dolly's coming in or the camera's moving or, you know, you see guys standing in the key light. I mean, there's so many different, you know, aspects of it. I think just learn how a set works before you try to get on one. Yeah, it's kind of used brick by brick. Like I started when I got out of college, I would work on some of those things. I was just a PA and PA is a good place to start because there's really not much pressure for you. You're just doing like menial tasks, picking up whatever. Sure. And just being around that set, like you pick up, like I remember being like looking at like what camera they're using or like what kind of light stand they're using. And then I'd like go home and like research it and be like, what is this? What is that? You kind of like build from it. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've had PAs that are good photographers, you know, that that's the thing. They come up and ask you and it's kind of a safe space because, you know, they're not trying to take your job, but, you know, they're asking you advice and you yeah. try to give them, you know, oh yeah, watch me do this or, you know. But, you know, people want to shadow you. But I think if you're already on set in a like a role of a PA, that's a good way to shadow a unit photographer. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, yeah. Matt, I can't thank you enough, man. It was a real pleasure talking to you. This was like all new to me. So I was really excited to have you on. Um, but I guess for people listening, if they want to check out more of your work, where's the best place <clears throat> for them to go? Uh, Instagram, you know, at Kennedy Stills. It's kind of I'm on there more than anywhere else, I think. And then my website's kennedystills.net. And then IMDb. Oh, yeah. Kennedy, so. yeah, definitely. I looked at the IMDb before that. I was like, damn, you got a lot of goddamn credits, man. <laughs> yeah, I've been, been grinding for a little while, man. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so, well, uh, yeah, man. yeah, I'll link it. And uh, thanks so much, man. No, thanks for having me, man. And uh, stay in touch for sure. Yeah, definitely. Next time I'm in like California, I'll definitely hit you up, dude. I got like 9,000 more other questions. So it'd be cool. <laughs> oh, no worries. That'd be great, man. All right. Take care, Matt. So there you have it. That was the Matt Kennedy interview. Uh, just want to thank Matt so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure talking to him about everything he does, working as a unit photographer. Uh, really interesting job. Like I said, I'd never uh, talked to any unit photographers before, and uh, he's worked on some amazing projects like Black Panther and The Conjuring 2, like I mentioned. Um, so definitely go check out Matt's website at kennedystills.net. 
as well as his Instagram at Kennedy Stills. Uh, lots of cool work up there. You can see uh, more kind of behind the scenes pictures and different movie posters he's created um, over the course of his career. So really cool stuff. And as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts available on iTunes, Spotify, as well as our new YouTube page, The Photo Banter. So definitely go check that out if you want to watch the video version of the podcast. And as always, as well as on my website at alexgagnephoto.com and on my Instagram at alexgagnephoto. Thanks so much for listening and take care.